0: And welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We are back for another week. The frenzy has technically ended, but there's still so many games that we have to get through as finals approaches. There was so much to talk about. We will talk about all of it in this here podcast, and we cannot wait to chat about it. Before we begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we are recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So today you have me, Marissa Lordanek, Angela Christian-Wilkes. You may know us as the women who ate kebabs on the Melbourne City Jets dub broadcast the other night. If you don't know us, you should check out our work. We look really beautiful eating our kebabs. Sam Lewis is also here. She was not eating a kebab while watching this game but I'm sure was eating some sort of snacks while she was watching these games. We have no Anna Harrington this week because she is off in Beijing covering the Winter Paralympics which is very cool but not far post cool. But anyway we're very proud of her. She will be back in a couple of weeks to join us once again. So let's get into it gals. Let's start with some you love to see it. Angela do you want to kick us off with a you love to
1: see it? I do um, and this year love to see it feels yeah like an eternity ago when in reality was, I think it was just a week ago, Tuesday yeah um well, I love to see uh, Alex Juddiax score her first goal of the season. this was in the what I like to call the angela derby uh Canberra hosting and victory visiting, and yeah, it was the so at the time victory were down two 0 and um they eventually came back to draw the game to all, so sort of this I think the second time this season they've been able to do that and get back into the conversation but yeah it was a fantastic goal I just I, I don't understand it it was like Courtney Nevin crossed in the ball and Chids was like making mischief in the box but like managed to head it when they head it backwards and the ball goes beh- like behind I'm just like I don't fantastic good for you I don't, I still don't understand, but I love, I love to see it. Um, And yeah, straight away it was, um, she picked up the ball and ran back to the halfway line and this was in the 81st minute. So they obviously knew that they could get something from the game if they kept pushing and they did, which was great to see as well. So yeah, she had scoring her first goal, which has been a long time coming. Um, Yeah. Absolutely love to see it. We also love to see that she's sticking around for the rest of victory
0: season. Her, It wasn't that her loan was extended because she also announced that she was leaving Jeff United in the Wii League, but she is sticking around at the VAC for the rest of the season, which VUC fans, you absolutely love to see. My you love to see it, you'll be shocked to learn, is Katie Zellum's Olympico for Manchester United in the FA Cup game against Manchester City. It was already a big game, FA Cup, Manchester Derby, big things, and Katie Zellum decides to do a madness, to do an Olympico, it was a beautiful one. It's gone right into the far post and has beaten the keeper, all of the defenders, absolutely delightful, loved to see it. Did I love to see the final scoreline, which read Manchester United won Manchester City 4? No, I did not. It was not my favourite thing, but we'll always have the Olympico and it was absolutely glorious. We'll also mention Anna's um, – love to see it just quickly. She obviously is not here, but before she left, she wanted to mention that Katie McCabe's goal for Arsenal, also in the FA Cup, was an absolute banger. Go check it out. It was very, very good. So some FA Cup goals, you love to see them. Sam, what did you love to see?
2: I loved to see this week similar – goal theme but this time back at home it was Fiona Wirtz's hat trick against Melbourne victory in the pride game not only did it take her uh, further to the top of the golden boot ladder in the A-League women's competition but she also secured Adelaide's birth in the final series for the first time in 14 seasons it was an amazing game it was an amazing day I'm so jealous that the two of you were there I can't wait to hear more about it and Fiona Wirtz has been absolutely sensational for the Reds. Uh, this whole team, this whole moment for them is, is historic. And I'm so glad that it was her that who was able to, to, to score this, this, this hat trick and to get them over the line because she, I think, represents so much about what we talk about with the A-League women's. And she is just a delightful human being as well. So Fiona Wirtz scoring a hat trick to take Adelaide to finals, you love to see it.
0: I just love her like goal reaction shot that Adelaide use on their social medias because it's so nonchalant because she's kind of just you know like shrugging she's got a smirk on her face she's just like yeah scored again what of it I love it so much Real yeah I love it, it it tickles me every time I see it and we've been seeing it a lot as you mentioned she's got 13 goals now for the season and finally we have the Reds in final so let's start there with the Pride game with the fact that Adelaide are now in finals. As you said, Sam, Angela and I went over to Radelaide or Gatorade as we were calling it during our trip. It made sense. It was a phenomenal day. It was a great game. The men's game was fantastic as well. You don't hear us talk about men's football too often, but just the whole day was fantastic. So, Angela, some thoughts, some feelings, some takes from the Pride game experience.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be real. I think it will be, the takes are going to be more experience based. seems like I don't think I absorbed too much of the game, mainly because I think it was like once I saw that Adelaide were winning, it was like, and you could see that victory weren't going to come back. It was like, let's just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like I, but it was, yeah, fantastic atmosphere. It was so beautiful at the end of the game. So like Adelaide went to their supporter end and, um, you know, said like thank you to the fans and then they went into a huddle in the middle and I I don't know why that moved me so much but it was just really lovely to see and the atmosphere at the game and the the stadium was just so nice that that whole day. You could tell that people were so excited. We went to the merch shop beforehand and people were like getting around all the pride merch. Um I remember that there was one um, girl who went in, I think her and her dad were getting printing or wanted to get some printing on the shirt, but then she was like, oh, why Why they, do they have the scarves? And he was explaining, you know, it's a special day. This is why And I was like, oh, um, is that, what, what's that thing about dads doing the bare minimum? Anyway, it was still cute, but um, yeah, it was just a, a a great day um victory oh I will say that the take and we'll get to this later as well but it was a little bit sad at the end with Casey down like that is just completely heartbreaking um in yeah for so many reasons um she's been having such a fantastic season but even if she'd been having the worst season of her life you never at Never, ever want to see an injury like that. She had to be taken off on a stretcher and um, left the stadium under the care of paramedics and because Victory had used up all their subs um, or sub windows, my Markovsky had to put on the keeper jersey and it was just like such a bizarre moment because I looked down and it was real community football areas like she just like took off her top and like put on the other one just but and I was like what is happening and then I realized like the urgency of the situation so that was a there there was definitely I was paying attention those final three minutes but it sort of felt like I was like is this real and it kept coming back to me for the rest of the day I was like what did that (laughs) um but yeah uh victory very tired obviously fatigued and I think in other games they've been able to come back a little bit. Like with the Canberra game, they've had the um, capacity to do that. But, yeah, in terms of their depth at the moment and their available players, it's just it's not a great situation. Um, and even more concerning, yeah, with with Dumont out, who's I think been in really good form considering how the the rest of the team have basically had to push through and, and deal with the cards that they've been dealt so yeah I don't know is that is that enough takes yes it was a good day it was a good day um and I yeah it was a I really loved Cooper Stadium what Cooper Stadium Hindmarsh. it's a great stadium so high up not good if you don't like heights but it's such a lovely view um anyway the whole thumbs up to Adelaide. Good job, to years on both fronts.
2: Yeah, I mean so- it was a, it was a sort of a layered day, wasn't it? It's and for victory fans, I imagine it was uh, it was an emotionally um, complicated day.
1: Yeah, I don't think during- I have the emotional intelligence to like
2: process it. <laughs> to be honest, so- I, I did love that uh, the victory women's team wore rainbow socks uh, in. Uh, solidarity with what Adelaide were doing with their rainbow numbers on the back of the jersey. That was wonderful. And the fact that the rainbow socks also had the trans colours at the top of them, which some of them folded, folded them down so you couldn't quite see. But I think Alex Chidiak was made a note to to make sure that, that they were really visible as well. Um, so that was lovely. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual game, tired is the way that I would describe victory after all this. It sort of feels like they're, they're the best example of, uh, they're like they're, they epitomise basically what this season is and has been for all these teams, and they've just they've copped the extreme end of so much of it. Um, as Marissa said, you know, playing half a season in a month uh, in this quote-unquote football frenzy, which is not something to be celebrated, having these string of injuries, having, you know, COVID protocols and traveling and just like everything, it feels like victory have had to go through to, and they're, now they're just sort of crawling desperately towards the end of the season. Like a lot of us are, I think a lot of us are quite exhausted by it, but um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just such a nice reminder that football is so much more than what happens on the field as well. You know, like, yeah, permutations of finals and whatever, but the thing that people are going to remember about this game, aside from Adelaide qualifying for finals for the first time, is the fact that it's the first Pride round that has been hosted by a men's A-League team, which is amazing and vastly overdue. Um, I'm curious about, I suppose, the, the discourse around Pride rounds. Um, I know that it can be a little bit divisive and some people don't like them because they're tokenistic or because they are just as a small sort of visible gesture um, at the expense of actually doing the work that it that requires pride rounds in the first place um, but others think that it's it's an important moment of visibility and it's an important platform to actually start to have conversations and Angela you're anecdote earlier about the dad explaining to the kid about what it is and and why it matters you know that's a a pretty good example of that um so i think i'm i I used to not like like pride rounds because of that i I felt that they were a little bit um sort of gestury without doing any of the education or having any of the pathways or programs beneath the surface that don't get the kind of recognition that a, a fun pride round on tv often gets um, but it feels like Adelaide have done that this time around. Like it's not just uh, yeah, we care. And then not, not actually doing anything. They had education sessions, they had talks, they had panels, they had all that sort of stuff that you need to do in order to make something like a pride round feel genuine and feel like it is part of a larger project. So yeah, Angela, I'm curious about your perspective on it.
0: Yeah, I was just
1: going to touch on those things. I think because they partnered with, pride cup um and i think that was a really important not just like a symbolic gesture to be like pay attention to this organization but also in terms of doing it right um and i think with adelaide being the first a league men's club to have pride round like it seems kind of obvious because it's like oh joshua cavallo right but it it felt like a sort of felt like a reward for him I think as well and not so much uh, yeah I just feel like what he has done in terms of being the the first openly gay male player in a top tier competition what a what a mouthful like we we've gone over it before but it's such a big thing it would have been so terrifying and I think it's I I just like to reflect on the fact that he had a club around him where he knew that he could do this and he would be okay and that they would support him. And I think this is just an extension of that in that, yeah, like Adelaide are going to get plaudits for being the first club to do this, but at the same time they deserve those plaudits because they were doing, doing the work um, before it was like even a conversation um, because there was obviously something going on there where Joshua Cavallo felt comfortable enough to to yeah come out at Adelaide United. Um, and then to the to the wider world. And there is some really cute stuff. Um Marissa referred me on to is it Gauchi, the keeper? He's like besties and roommates with Josh Cavallo. And there's um some real cute videos where he talks about um being privy to that experience um, and being friends with Josh. But anyway, yeah. Um And also, so with Pride Cups, they're an organization that help community clubs and clubs of all levels run their own pride games or like pride round, pride competition. Um, And that was, I think, kicked off because of Jason Ball, who's a retired AFL player. Is that right, Marissa? You are the... AFL he,
0: he played um State League uh, down here in Victoria, 40, but he was the first player at that level to even yeah. come out. And so his local club, I think it was Yarra Glen, it was Yarra something, mm. they made this Pride Cup to, to celebrate him and now obviously it's blossomed into something much bigger and across sports as well.
1: Yeah, and so they've partnered and so pride cut basically run with that and um, provide the sort of support for clubs to be able to do it themselves but to do the the pr- promote the conversations that need to be had and and be advocates as well so the th- and that's another thing often when I see like pride rounds you see like the merch and you're like mm, that's some nice merch and then you're like Mm, is this pink washing and they just want the pink dollar but so for the the proceeds from the um pride special pride merch from the Adelaide game they that's going back into pride cup and I think that's really important as well because it's going to help clubs at all levels across all different codes be able to to do this stuff themselves and have an impact on their immediate communities which is fantastic Yeah. And it's just, it was just a big moment. And I think sometimes as well, I I definitely understand what you're saying, Sam, about sort of like the skepticism or or caution around pride rounds and pride as well at this point. Um, There's a lot of critiques out there. I won't get into them in terms of who is it now for and what purposes does it serve for what parties? Um, But at the same time, And as well, I was just thinking as well, for women's sport as well, I think because some, it has been a historically safer generally, obviously exceptions to that rule. um, Space perhaps by queer folk in women's sport might not feel, what's the word? You sometimes don't need that like articulation of like, you are safe here because you already feel safe. Um, which is the importance of, of a pride round as well. So that's the other thing. It's like, it's not just enough to be like, you are safe here. Um, you have to ensure that people are safe here. That's that's something that shifts me as well. When people are like, LGBTQIA people, you are safe here. And I'm like, hey, you don't get to say that. Like you don't get to speak on behalf of other people's comfort in their experience. But anyway, getting gone on a tangent, but yeah too long didn't read Adelaide have put in the work obviously and so it's well deserved and it was really fantastic to see and really fantastic day out and also Pride Cup go check them out because they're doing really great stuff um and they also do stuff like education programs for all clubs of all levels and that sort of thing and there was a tweet This is meant to be the too long, didn't read. There was a tweet from Adelaide. They said that they would be interested in facilitating those education sessions for MPL clubs in South Australia, which would be really fantastic, and I hope they get the support to do so. Um, But, yeah.
0: I think that's what was really important, and the thing that I really liked is that it was very obvious what Pride Round was about, but I think no matter who, who you are or where you were coming from, you were able to get something out of this. So whether it was the young boy watching Josh Cavallo being in a similar mindset or situation to what he was and then seeing like, okay, I can actually make a career out of football, whether it's the already very out and proud women, men, non-binary folks seeing, oh, yes, football is a place where I can exist, be a fan, be a player. They were able to take that out. I think it was also, you know, from an ally perspective seeing you know the video of of Joe Gauchi, of Kayla Sharples they did all these videos the Adelaide players so you know Joe was talking about um you know the fact that he was kind of naive to the situation until he you know was able to talk and hear about Josh's experience and what that was so I think if someone else can also be like oh I didn't realize it was this bad and has learned something from that I saw there's a a pretty well-known Reds fan. You may have seen him more at men's games. He has a very large red curly wig. He commented on one of the things and was like, not going to lie, I've been doing a lot of learning. I grew up in the dark ages. I'm not like proud of what was always done, but I'm learning and now I'm here. Love is love, all good. And I just think basically this whole game has really allowed people to take what they need from it. And I think that's a massive credit to Adelaide to Pride Cup to all the players that have been involved in the content the media team and the way that they've promoted and really built this thing up and if it can continue to spread away spread its way around the league but also down into NPL and community level I think it's a resounding success and I think I think it will I think that momentum has started and I think people now there's an expectation that, you know, it's started. You can't just make it a, a one and done kind of situation. It has to be a thing that continues and will broaden as well. So we move more into, um, you know, conversations about trans folks, about non-binary folks, open up the kind of, you know, other sexualities that aren't mentioned, you know, besides kind of your, your LG and your B. So I just think it was such a good day. We had so much fun. It was just, yes, big success, loved it. We've talked about it a lot, though. But, yes, Angela.
1: I will say my one critique, and you've heard this already, Marissa, was they, like, I think it was after, not after a goal. It was definitely not after a goal. I don't know why I thought that. It was just, like, between the games. They played Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. And I was, like, direct, yes, you understand that something LGBT is happening in this song but I, f- I thought as a society we had pro- progressed beyond like we did the discourse around I kissed a girl
0: listeners I'm not gonna lie to you we literally had this con- conversation at like three o'clock in the morning Angela was like I have some thoughts about I kissed a girl I have some thoughts here are the thoughts. And they were very good, but just to, to let you know what that day was like a little bit more broadly, we were talking about this at like three o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like credit to Katy Perry, she's come a long, long way since those, <laughs> since those days. Like for Conte, it sort of came out like, she was just like, oh, I'm a straight girl. I don't. And it, yeah, it was a whole thing, but they were also playing ABBA a lot as well. I don't know if that was a nod to the community, but um, there's a lot of like, yeah, it it, it was interesting. There's a lot of music made by people we believe to be straight, I suppose, that is a very Robin's Denton on my own is a big one, like a queer anthem, for example. But the yeah, the Katy Perry. A, <laughs> anyway, but if Adelaide or any other clubs, are curious as to what I would play, just hit me up. I would probably say, I would probably say Betty by Taylor Swift, which is not good because that is just like a conspiracy theory. It's not actually, it's not, it's no better. It's no better. I don't know why I would. I don't play Betty either. Anyway, that's just that was just my one tiny gripe. That As if you wouldn't
2: gripe. play some of the early stuff from Missy Higgins, Angela, queer Australian icon.
0: Oh, Scar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, beautiful. I feel like you're missing the point of like pump up songs. At a football game. That's a good point. I'm like, I I love Scar as well, but am I hyped to watch a football game if I've just listened to Scar? No. Uh, so they're like, damn, he left a bar of soap and a an oat and a scrubbing brush and all oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know?
1: And then you're crying and then, yeah. <laughs>
0: and then there's tears in your beer and it's all,
1: anyway. I have to think of. You think of gay songs and. But Robert, Robin's dancing on my own for sure. Is, yes, it, is that on a, a pump up
0: song? I the,
1: the actually beat, no, it's too sad. We discussed. I was that. Say, yeah, the, it's too the sad. beat
0: and the lyrics don't match, so people would be dancing and crying and like, why am I crying? Because my body's <laughs> moving, so I don't understand what's going. Anyway, the the one point I will just add because you mentioned other clubs and music, but not the music bit, other clubs, you now have a year to do the work, to get ready because people will be expecting more pride games, ideally a pride round. You you have your notice. You can't say you didn't know and you weren't prepared. So
1: that's a warning. Can I do a divorce dance story real quick? <laughs> About, it's sort of related. So after Michelle Heyman scored, I can't remember which game, I think the Newcastle game. Anyway, they played Jump Around by House of Pain. Does anyone know that? Yeah, they're Irish hip hop group. And they actually played in Canberra at Groove in the Moo, which is kind of cute. And when I went to see them at Groove in the Moo, someone came up to my dad and said, are you in House of Pain? Because he is also a man with a beard who wears a baseball cap. So there you go. It's, it's, that's my story. Michelle Heyman wasn't present. There's no circle back for this. It's just. We love a divorced
0: dance story from Angela. We also love to see the other games this round. We've spoken a lot about this, but there were some very exciting results among there. We'll go through the big ones. So Brisbane Raw beating Melbourne City 1-0. Huge. Huge in the context of both of their seasons. City absolutely had the chance to go top of the table. That was their one game in hand, but... I think it's pretty safe to say that without Hannah Wilkinson and without Holly McNamara, City's attack looked a little bit toothless. So, Sam, a couple of quick thoughts on this game? Yeah, that's pretty much it. I
2: think this was City at their lowest ebb um, as a result of what you mentioned, the absence of players. And it probably was quite a hit to their confidence as well because that's sort of what happens when you become a little bit dependent on a certain way of playing and a certain uh, type of player, I suppose. Um, but Brisbane, I think were they, were they were pretty good for it. I mean, the stats don't necessarily reflect it, but we've talked about this Brisbane Raw team in the same way all season. They seem to have really good build up, but for some reason they just can't put the goals away. And it's been one of their long-term frustrations and our long-term frustration with them as well. So, yeah, I mean, it was, and perhaps it came from the fact that they knew that they didn't really have anything else to play for. And I really liked what Katrina Gory said after the game, where she was like, "We're actually just here to fuck up other people's finals chances." And like, there's a lot of freedom and a lot of uh, a lot of joy that can come from that kind of uh, being in that kind of space and having that kind of opportunity. So they probably, yeah, they probably really loved uh, this game and and getting the one nil win. Um, I don't think it's caused a huge dent in cities style or anything like that like it's not a it's not a um it's not the kind of win that makes you look yourself in the mirror you know uh but yeah I mean it, it was a good game good on Brisbane you know they they need a couple of moments like that I think to salvage what has been a pretty disastrous season for them um,
0: and yeah that's pretty much it I was going say- A quick recap is a good recap. Let's move on to the other, or one of the other kind of big talking points from this last week of games, Canberra coming good, deciding that the end of the season was the time to start picking up points and picking up wins. So we mentioned that they played against Victory. They had that 2-2 draw midweek and then beat the Jets over the weekend with a big 3-0 win. Very soggy conditions. We should also just mention, we've just spoken about Brisbane, talking about New South Wales and the ACT. We are thinking of everyone over in Queensland and in New South Wales affected by the floods. We hope, you know, you're all safe, you're dry. Hopefully there's not too much damage, but we are thinking of you all at this time. But just quickly, Canberra, Angela, do you have any sort of explanations for why Canberra has decided the end of the season is the time to be picking up points?
1: I do have, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't watched the Canberra games very closely this past week. Um, so I would like to have a sit down with those, but I wonder if it's just like consistency because my sort of critique or not critique, but um, theory earlier earlier on in the season was that there was a lot of chopping and changing in terms of their starting 11s and that was Coming out of necessity for for part of it, at least um, from what we understood in terms of like COVID, meaning players like Emma Ilyoski couldn't play particular games. Um, but then at other points it, it wasn't completely clear and um, there wasn't a consistent formation and there wasn't a c- consistent starting 11, but they've managed, I think, to sort of secure a backline that they seem quite comfortable with. So Hayley Taylor young has really sort of grown into the a role as um, like a wing back there. And then they've got Kia and Haran at center backs. And I would, I was just, I was a little bit confused earlier on in the season when Kia was playing as a wing back, but I get that she has like quite, she's quite good at hoofing the ball in. So that's probably what the thinking was there, but having two more experienced players in the center back role has probably helped them a lot as well. Um, And, yeah, Laura Hughes has gotten, I think, the last three games a start, big fan of her, but just having a little bit, yeah, just just a bit more consistency. And Ashley Sykes as well has grown, like, um, into the season. So when she started, I think um, she was um, lacking fitness, but having her play well, that's a huge, huge diff. Um, So, yeah, it's like... Finally, Jeline, and I will say as well, I think this Canberra United team, they do play for each other. And you could really see that in sort of the result um, against Newcastle in particular. I think it was quite um it like admirable that they like had that draw against victory. They lost a lead and then were able to come back and consolidate and they look to be enjoying their football as well. So that in contrast to what we saw city Newcastle last night Newcastle looked quite frustrated and quite I guess emotionally fatigued in a way like a bit and and maybe a bit annoyed at themselves for not um performing to the way that they think like they believe they can so um the vibes the vibes are good but yeah um that's my theories Chloe Lincoln she's been good as well I've been very impressed um other than that, that's that's all I've got. If anyone has any other Sam, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, gelling,
2: gelling is the word. And Michelle Heyman and Vicky Linton said as much after the Newcastle game as well. Um, it's just that they've clicked now. And consistency of lineup absolutely plays a central role in that. You know, you've got Now, sort of a spine of players who are familiar with each other. You've got your Heyman up front. You've got your Grace Maher and your Laura Hughes. They've all played together at Canberra for a number of seasons now. And Lauren Key has been there for a couple of seasons now too. So you've got sort of the makings of a good spine there. And the more that you get them all playing together consistently, the more they're able to grow as a unit. You know, football is a team sport and you can't develop a good team understanding if you're constantly interchanging different parts um, or moving parts into spaces where they're not comfortable or not familiar. And we saw that at the start of the season as well, particularly with Grace Maher. And, yeah, so, I mean, it's just that they've clicked. And and good on Michelle Heyman after the Newcastle game, um, which shout-out to the Active Jets supporters group who had that fantastic fully professional full-time banner that was right in camera shot and got a, a nice big view during the broadcast. And Heyman said as much as well. She was like, it's just a shame that the season's almost over. You know, we're just starting to click. We're just starting to put on some really good performances, some really consistent performances to discover a new level. But it's just coming at a point in like right towards the end of a 14-game regular season. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be um, an interesting off-season, I think, for Canberra. They're going to be doing a review um, because this is one of the worst seasons that they have had in their history. Um, and hopefully the club are going to be given the resources to counteract some of the things that put them behind at the start of, of this one. One of them, absolutely, I think, is is the roster, because um, we do have uh, Canberra still is producing some fabulous players from their academy. Sasha Grove is a good example of that. She's been really good since she's started to get more minutes. Um, so yeah, I mean, Canberra's. I think they're, they're needing to remind themselves of what they used to be and actually put in place the kinds of things that made them how good that they used to be as well, including uh, really digging into their local talent and their academy and um, realigning themselves with the fans as well. That seems to like once, Canberra is a good example of like how important fan culture really is to a team, I think, and when you lose the fans, which I think Canberra did, maybe two seasons ago during the Oak years. Um, it's, you can see the impact that it has on a, a team of players like that, particularly a team that has local players in it. It's players who have been part of that community as much as they've been players for it. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just another reminder that we
0: need to fucking extend the season, isn't it? It sure bloody is, anyway, a team that I would, love to see more of in a fully extended season but also would like to see them get home is the Knicks and they won again which was absolutely phenomenal I think there is still very much a a huge excitement every time they do win but if the Wellington Phoenix win and it's not broadcast anywhere did the Wellington Phoenix really win? An excellent question. I don't have the answer. But, Sam, you have now watched the highlights because that was available to us. So tell us a little bit about this game because I'm going to be honest, I have not yet watched the highlights. So all I know is numbers. I know nothing about any of the goals. So tell us a little bit about it. Well, it was a
2: game that all fans of Chaotic Dub would have loved to have watched. It ended 3-2 to Wellington. Two of those goals were scored in stoppage time at the end of the game uh according to the stats uh really the Wanderers had most of the possession they had most of the chances even it's kind of miraculous that Wellington ended up coming away with the win uh It's Yeah, I mean, we saw on social media that it was originally meant to be played at Bankwest Stadium, but due to the flooding situation here in Sydney, uh, they weren't able to make the ground safe in time and the last-minute decision to move it to Wanderers Football Park meant that they didn't have the preparations for uh, the broadcast unit. And yet there was actually a stream. There was a stream that was recorded uh, for media teams and it did have a commentator. But it wasn't up to the, the kind of, like, television broadcast standard that I think has been built into the kind of agreements for this season. And so it wasn't actually able to be broadcast um, publicly. So in, in those highlights that were released, it seemed like a, a really back-and-forth kind of game. It seemed uh, as chaotic and as unpredictable as the weather itself. Um, Shout out to the Wanderers who have decided to start scoring goals now. Well, I say that, but one of them was actually an own goal. Talitha Kramer uh, scored an own goal um, for Wellington in the 95th minute to bring the Wanderers uh, up to two goals in the game. But, yeah, like, again, it's just uh, same same sorts of problems, I think, that they, like, they had 18 shots, the Wanderers, and only one of them – went in and that was Ashley Crofts in the second minute and it was a header. So <laughs> it's, yeah, sort of same old, same old from, from the Wanderers. And I hope that they're going to go down the Canberra road and having a really serious review into things, particularly in light of uh, CEO John Satsimus resigning from the club last week. I think that's going to um, start to move some bigger pieces around in terms of backroom uh, staff and administration. So yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of, I don't, I don't like, is anyone sort of really surprised? I think Wellington were probably, uh, they, they, they were building towards another win. I think after their win over Canberra, they showed that they they really can do something like this and they can hold out until the end of a game. Um, so putting three goals away, Kate Taylor scored her first goal. Kate Taylor, who's been absolutely sensational at centre-back for Wellington. Ava Pritchard got on the score sheet and Grace Jarley as well, who's been absolutely stunning in midfield. Um not a not a great night for uh for for our our gal uh when we did our um our mid-season uh review we were uh incredibly wrapped with uh sarah langman but she maybe listened to that episode and was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna prove you wrong here's why i shouldn't have been included in that team uh, yeah, she 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 wasn't great. She she gave away probably the winning goal um, because of poor positioning, um, coming off her line at the wrong minute, and basically not making the tackle that Grace Jarley just nipped in on on the ball and, and got in behind us. So, yeah, I mean it's a shame that this was the game of all the games to not be broadcast. It was this crazy one because now both of these teams are on equal points on the ladder. They've both got seven points, and Wellington are only on the bottom of the ladder by three goals, I think, in terms of goal difference. So they could actually leapfrog Western Sydney in the next and final round. So the Wanderers are going to be playing Melbourne City and Melbourne City have a lot to play for in that game because if they win, it means that they potentially leapfrog Sydney and win the Premier's plate. Whereas Wellington Phoenix are going to be playing Perth Glory, which seems like a bit more of a winnable match for them. Um it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a fun final round. That's all I can say.
0: It's going to be very fun. And there is a slight level of excitement that there is a battle of some sorts at the bottom of the table. And it would be objectively funny, not for Wanderers fans, but if they were to finish bottom in this season when Wellington has had to do what they've had to do, the way they came into this, it would be... Very funny for everyone else, but not Wanderers fans. Anyway, you've started the permutation chat. So, Angela, do you want to finish us off with permutation chat heading into this final round of games and with the actual final series itself not too far away? What are we kind of looking out for in this final round of games?
1: Yeah, so the big or I guess the main question is who that fourth final spot go to so it's between Perth and victory and it's actually quite interesting when you look at the difference between Perth who are fifth and then Canberra who are is sixth there's a 10 10 points difference between the two so it sort of is like a there is a best and the rest but then it's also sort of kind of neat that it's not great but it's interesting I will say um permutations chat so for Perth to get through, to get from fifth into fourth and where Victory are now, they have to win um, and Victory lose or Perth have to win and then if Victory draw, Perth would have to score nine goals. Well, have a goal difference of nine goals. And I, I the dub is chaotic, but I just, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I'm just not entirely convinced. Um and they they those two games are going to be on at the same time on Friday so it's going to be very exciting to have it sort of happening in real time. Um I'm sure that both clubs will have runners or someone keeping an eye on the score there but um yeah basically for Perth it's an absolute must win. Victory can draw and they'll be fine they'll still be above Perth um and but they I think they will also be looking to win and they're going to have a little bit of a break so they might be a bit more refreshed um so yeah that's going to be very exciting and yeah Victoria playing Canberra again um for the second time in like two weeks the second Angela derby very exciting I will be in attendance um but yeah that seems to be the main thing other other than that yeah it's all about like Adelaide could potentially end up second depending on how city go um Western Swiss and Sydney Wanderers but as we've just discussed I feel like city are clear favorites there but you know it's you never know you never know uh no, I kind of do know but like you know I mean, the really
2: interesting game is going to be Sydney against Adelaide because yes, very exciting. Adelaide are absolutely flying at the moment and we saw them push Sydney, I think. That was a, uh, that was a really important game. But at, at this stage, it's Melbourne City, I, mean, I think it's fairly obvious that they're probably going to destroy the Wanderers. And if they do so and Sydney lose against Adelaide, which they very likely could do, Melbourne City could win the Premier's plate, which I don't, I thinking back to our, our preview episode, I don't think any of us picked that to potentially happen. But what it does mean is that the three-week final series now is going to be particularly interesting. If Sydney finished second and if Adelaide finished third and it's won a victory or Perth, the, yeah, the team that ends up at the, I mean, this is, it's chaos. It's what we love. It's why we're here.
1: Oh, I've I've sort of been selfishly planning. Like, will there be a home grand final? There could be. Yeah, if City play second and then they win that game. Yes, Marissa has had to. She had to explain it to me twice. Probably going to have to explain it again. Maybe I'll just see how it goes. I'll just pay attention to what's happening in the moment. I, I um, feel like
0: I need to draw it out for you cuz i feel like i'm not explaining it with my words.
1: No no no, i do get it but then i think because i i ascribe a number to the team in my head mm. but then that number then doesn't end up mattering once they've played that first cuz then it's about whether you got a w or an l, you know. Mm-hmm. Numbers and letters together, very difficult for my brain apparently. Anyway, it'll be fine. Um i'll i'll figure it out but um i'm kind of i kind of want adelaide to like host a grand final. I want them to go to the finals. I'm going to be honest. I think Perth will victory. Even if whoever gets through, I feel like they're going to have a really tough time on their hands. So a three horse race, I would say at this point.
0: I would absolutely agree with that, but we cannot wait to watch this weekend of action to find out the finals. We'll also need to keep an eye out on some of those postponed games because obviously with the floods, a few teams have missed out on some games. So we'll be watching that that with interest and obviously letting you all know and sharing on socials once we find out when these games actually are. The smallest boot, it was already kind of mentioned with the Wellington Wanderers game, the fact that it was not broadcast live. I described it to these two as that Larry David gif where he's there and he's literally, you can physically see the cogs in his brain working where he weighs up the options. And that's how I feel about this because it's like, obviously, natural disaster, kind of a good excuse to not broadcast a game. It was all last minute. There were the changes. Things were going on. It's an understandable situation. But there's also a part of you that's like, even so, they would find a way to broadcast a men's game. They just would and it's weighing up those two things and trying not to be the whingy person but also just, anyway, it's a shame that we couldn't watch it because it sounded like a phenomenal game to watch. So a small boot but like a a padded boot basically, like don't do it again. Like I get it but don't do it again. doesn't matter. Let's get into some How Goods because there's been some How Goods, some really good How Goods. So, Sam, do you want to kick us off with a How Good? I will kick us off with the How
2: Good. My How Good this week is a celebration, as we have sort of threaded throughout our entire history on this podcast, celebrating the unsung heroes of the A-League Women's competition. And this week it is the record-breaking Cassidy Davis at the Newcastle Jets who became the all-out leader for consecutive games played in the men's and women's competition with 109 games. And that is so extraordinary for so many reasons, not only just her body being able to hold up for that long, but the fact that it takes so many seasons to rack up 109 games in the women's competition compared to the men's. Her dedication to this league and to Newcastle and to this team has been honestly one of the shining lights of the entire history of this competition for me. She represents this group of women players who don't necessarily kick on to bigger and better things. They don't necessarily become full pros. They don't necessarily become even contracted Matildas, but they are the pillars that have held up this competition for the last 14 seasons And without them, without them being the heartbeat of these local teams, these local players coming from their own communities and playing for their hometown clubs, this competition would not be what it is. So Cassidy Davis, 109 games, record breaker. She's going to be in the history books forever. How good?
1: So good. Angela, how good? Uh, On brand for me, Canberra chat. Uh, the Tillies are coming back to Canberra after a nine-year absence. Very exciting. So they will be playing New Zealand in the April international friendlies window. Um, and, yeah, that's that's it. That's the tweet. How how good. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was kind of cute in the press. That they were like, we want to reach, um, so either Berry and someone else, who I can't remember who said this, but they were talking about reaching the the young women's football supporters in Canberra and like um, you know you'd, you'd never know if there's going to be a Matilda in the future Matilda in the stands and I'm like I'm going to be in the stands have you considered <laughs> have you considered anyway death's not death's not happening but um, yeah it's just going to be a fun time they've announced the venue for the first friendly which will be at Bruce Stadium or GIO as it's sponsor is called everyone just knows it as bruce um and but um also very cool they're going to be donating a dollar from each um ticket sold to the national program for um women who play football and have cerebral palsy or require brain injuries or stroke so that's going to be very cool to um see some dosh going towards a very worthy cause there as well um and I think this is going to be a really important game as well because drumming up excitement and support for Canberra who will not be hosting games for the Women's World Cup. They're very close to Sydney though. So getting people excited, getting people involved, um, I think it will be really fantastic. Canberra United show that there's already a passionate um, women's football community in um, the, the the capital city. So hopefully this will go um, a bit of the way in terms of getting people engaged from outside, maybe those immediate spaces. So
0: yeah, how good. We loved it. And it is going to be, I imagine, a very fun evening in Canberra. Against against the ferns. You know it's always a a good rivalry and it always, you know, it adds to the symbolism, the World Cup and blah blah blah. So it's going to be really, really good, really, really fun. Uh, how good from me. Uh how spelt with an E good, may I say? So at the Pride Games. Angela and I had a lot of fun. Um, If you followed her on Twitter, you would have seen details of our fun through her Twitter thread. But um, the really fun thing was I got to meet, I'm now dubbing him friend of the pod. You may know him, Andy Howe. He is the kind of football stats extraordinaire in Australia, does work for both Football Australia and the A-Leagues. His brain just remembers so many cool things. And as a very, like, fake stats nerd, I love... His tweets, I love the media guides and the stats guides that he puts together. So the fact that Angela and I got to hang out with him at this game was just the most fun. We played GeoGuessr because we learnt that we're kind of map nerds as well. So it was a very lovely, very wholesome night. But we also got to see the Stato in action. So after Casey Dumont's very unfortunate injury, the realisation that there was no way to get Mel Meisels on the pitch, Maya Markovsky Dons the bright yellow, dons the gloves, and we're like, oh my god, an outfield, an outfielder going into goal. How fun. And then Andy Howe says, I don't think this is the first time a Markovsky has done this. And I'm like, how would you know that? How would you remember that? Why would your brain remember that? He would because he has a list in the men's league, so NSL and A-League, of every time an outfielder has gone into goal. And then we got to, I got to tweet this. I'm I'm very Happy about it, but it's all Andy's work. Basically, Maya's uncle, John, played for Marconi back in the NSL. And in a game against Melbourne, Croatia, Marconi's keeper was sent off in the second minute. And for some reason, John Markovsky donned the gloves and went into goal, making Maya the second Markovsky to go into goal during a game, even though she is not a goalkeeper. So the fact that I got to do this stat, the fact that I got to meet Andy Howe, it was just great. It was a how good. And Andy, how good?
1: I just, okay, second minute. They didn't have a second keeper? That, that's an Andy question. That's not a me question. I was
0: just really excited about the So what the does stack. a goalkeeper
2: do in the second minute that Warren's being sent off? That's what I want to know.
0: Apparently was it was so just a, a, a shocking <laughs> a shocking tackle that was just like nuts. See ya. Wow. Um, and, yeah, so they, they lost 6-0 because they had an outfielder in the goal. Um, so not yeah, so, so so Maya did pretty well. She didn't leak in any goals. So
2: There that. was that sort of moment though where she just oh. like came flying. <laughs> like, almost out of the box even. Like and- She was just
0: like just running around. Angela which, was like, literally yelling, you can use your hands. You can use your
1: hands. Stop going are with like, your feet. Yeah, futsal, social futsal one and I. Pick it, pick it up. Pick it, pick it up. All right. <laughs> uh, anyway, God bless all the power to her. I would not have cared if she'd leaked in five goals, to be honest. Like. She didn't piss herself and that's, (laughs) that's amazing. (laughs) The
0: bar is so low, but no, it was so much fun. This episode was so much fun. Thank you for tuning in. In the meantime, we are on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple, and Google, wherever you listen, subscribe, leave a review, have a chat to us. We're at the Far Post pod on all social media. If you would like to talk to us, but until next week, see